Welcome to Bethel World Outreach Church. Our values are devotion, diversity, and discipleship. Devotion through honoring God by trusting His Word, praying, and worshiping together. Diversity by embracing God's heart for every nation. And discipleship by helping others follow Jesus. So join us as we're reaching a city to touch the world. Thank you so much. Let's give God praise for the band. Give God praise for the worship leaders. What they do is so critical. Lord, I pray that you would help us online, you'd help us in the room to, to properly uh, discern your word, that as we get into the Bible, that it would speak to us, uh, you would speak through this to us. Um, we thank you, Lord, that you have the preeminence in this service. Have your way, move as you will. Uh, we thank you for all things in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, have you ever met people who believe they are good at everything? Like everything. If you talk about checkers, they're the best. Chess, they're the best. Basketball, they're the best. Reading the most books, they're the best. Um, they can look the part, but in reality, they cannot play the part. They boast of something that, when tested, they seemingly fall very short of. And your good opinion about the person who boasted of an ability to do something begins to wane. It's funny when your favorite actor um, actually does a movie that bombs. You're disappointed. Because how could this be? And something in your disposition changes and you hope that something adjusts. Have you ever been in that as a single person? I don't know what it's like to date, but I can imagine I've seen enough movies and talked to enough single people to look at someone's profile online and to see all of the potential and the accolades only to meet them in person and to realize something horrible has just happened to you. There's a level of disillusionment, disappointment, discouragement that begins to enter your heart. There is going to be a temptation throughout the articulation of this message to uh, to correlate all of today's events in our nation with what the Bible narrative is saying. This Bible passage of Scripture was chosen eight months ago before there was a presidential anything. You're going to be tempted to say this refers to Biden, this refers to Trump, this refers to uh, Harris, this refers to Pence. And there can be a tendency to hyper-focus on the nation, but what if I were to tell you that this is not about our nation? This uh, is about you and me. I know it's going to be easy to scapegoat. I'm telling you, don't take the temptation. Because God has something for us. Remember, this is the second sermon in the series the tale of two kings. Last week, 
we talked about our humble king, his, his humiliation turned into his exaltation that gives us an opportunity for adoration. And maybe if we're following in that pattern, we'll see something clear throughout Scripture. Let's turn to 1 Samuel 16. And let me read maybe, well, I like it better when you read. If you do a good job today, I'll let you keep going. Uh, you at home, this is your opportunity to grab your Bible and to participate with us um, here in the sanctuary. And so we're going, I'm going to say ready, read, and you at home and you right here, we're going to read the scripture together. Here we go. Ready, read. Okay, yeah, yeah, stop right, that's it, that's all I needed. That's all I needed. Um, no, it's not all I needed, keep going. Ready, read. story is quite telling. When, when I'm going to pick someone to follow or if I want to see the right direction, um, it, it's technically if we all do, we're going to pick the most handsome, we're going to pick the most strong, the most articulate. We're going to try to find the people with all of the greatest qualities and say, that person is my leader. I can't tell you as much as Samuel, the prophet who we'll focus on in the beginning, was uh, impressed with God's first choice. He did have some tension about it. When the people first started calling for a king, he came to God and said, the people are rejecting me because I told them what a king would be like and they still want a king. And God said, Samuel, why are you making this choice about a king so personal. They are not rejecting you, the prophet and the leader. They're rejecting me. You see, Samuel somehow was thinking that the world revolved around him instead of the world revolving around God. Somehow Samuel had thought that when the nation was choosing a king, it was rejecting him, the man. In actuality, there was a problem and a disconnect from God, the king himself. And so the first verse that we read starts off with Samuel being sad 
Samuel being so sad that God has got to come and encourage him, Samuel, get up. Stop being down because I have rejected Saul. Stop being down because the person that you wanted me to pick is not there. And, and, and let's review, Samuel, why this disappointment is upon you. Because men, all men, have the potential to disappoint you. Not some men, not just one man, all men on this planet have the ability to display characteristics inconsistent with that of the will and word of God that will bring disappointment. And when you look at someone and you were hoping that they were perfect and you find out that they're not, your disappointment sets in and your grief becomes overwhelming and you can't move on. But God is telling Samuel, you have a job to do. You can't park here with the last disappointment you have. And let's not forget, there is a reason why you and I as humans can fall into a place of disappointment with God. Because the Bible says that, that, that God was told uh, Saul that obedience is better than sacrifice. That you disobeyed the command of the Lord, you despised the command of the Lord, and because of your own individual behavior, I have changed your station. I've changed how I'm going to commune and communicate with you. Now, I know that it's so easy to think about how other people disappoint God, how other people fail God, how other people need to be pulled from their place of prominence because they did sins that you don't like. But perhaps today we need to look at our own life and ask ourselves a very difficult question. Are we obeying part of what God wants or all of what God wants? Because Saul did not perceive himself to be someone who was disconnected from the will and word of God. God had told him to wait until the prophet got there before entering into a battle. He, the prophet was taking too long, so, so then uh, Saul got into the place where he would do what is holy on his own. He offered the sacrifice, he won the battle, and he still didn't kill everything that God asked him to kill. By the time Samuel got there, he was confused as to why God would be chastising him. Do you know that you can get in such a sin pattern, such a pattern of disobedience, such a pattern where you let little things come in just a little bit at a time, pulling you further and further from the will of God until you don't understand that you've become a disappointment. It's easy to see where others let us down. It's easy to change the narrative there. It is hard when the disappointment is on us. So Samuel, when we read the text, is forced to rise up out of that situation. God tells him, hey, you can't cry forever. I want you to, to, to get moving. And, and the first thing that Samuel says is, I would do it, but I'm afraid. 
I'm afraid of the person that, that uh, you have established as king. I'm afraid to move. I'm immobilized. I, I don't want to, you know, it's strange for me to hear that Samuel has fear considering the verses in chapter 15 says when Saul had failed to do the right thing, the prophet actually picked up a sword and he cut King Agag into pieces. It seems that this is a fierce man. I don't know how he's afraid when the people of the town, which you just read, wondering, wondering was Samuel coming in peace? Or was he coming to bring judgment? I don't understand that, that how he began to view himself differently. Because when you experience disappointment, you can lose heart. You can lose courage. You can lose faith. You can lose direction. You can lose hope. Because your, your faith was in the last thing that was done instead of the thing that God is doing right now. And you can be stuck somewhere in the past like Samuel, confused about which way to go on. And you need the prophetic voice of God himself to say, get up. I still have some leadership to raise up for this people. And it begins with you taking your place. Funny how it was easy for Samuel to get stuck on something he can't control, but what he could control, he wouldn't activate. Many of us forget that we control ourselves, how we think, how we feel, and how we act. And there's many things you can do. And Samuel went, and, he, and, and, and God told him, here's what you do. I'm going to give you some wisdom. Go make a sacrifice. Go, go and I'm going to consecrate for myself a new king. I know that you think that one decision sums up the whole of my godly leadership but I'm going to tell you that one decision does not sum up the whole of my leadership. I'm always at work, even though I told you in one sense I rejected one man, but I didn't remove him. I love that. I want to thank you. I'm going to, I'm going to pause there because I love the fact that God said he rejected Saul, but Saul did not lose his position. Why didn't he lose his position? Because the Bible says he sought after a man with his own heart. At some point, Saul had the right heart, I know, because the Bible says that he changed his heart, that the Spirit of the Lord made him another man, that he had a softness toward God. He had an obedience toward God. He had a surrender toward God. But what you were in the past has nothing to do with what you are in the present. You have to do, live a life in keeping with repentance. Do you want to live the life that he intended for you to live your whole life, or are you just trying to do something with God for a moment in an instant and think that that counts for everything and every situation? at every time. I live for God last year does not translate to this year. You've got to be presently obedient with God, not partially obedient with God. And so he says, I'm searching for a man as my own heart, which brings me to my second point. When you get to the sixth verse, he tells, he tells uh, Samuel, I want you to go, go to Jesse's house and I want you to find somebody. Look at the sixth verse here. So he's going to move him from, the, look at the sixth verse of, of 1 Samuel 16 and, and 6. When they came, he looked at Eliab and thought, surely the Lord's anointed is uh, before him. But the Lord said, but the Lord said to Samuel, do not look on his appearance or on the height of his statue, because I've rejected him. 
For the Lord sees not as man sees. Man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. I want you to see something about the character of God when he's getting ready to anoint. When he's getting ready to anoint, he made a good choice in Saul because at the time Saul's heart was right. Now God is looking for a man and Samuel didn't understand why Saul originally got it selected and he didn't understand how God was about to select now because he always thought it was something external. It was something about accomplishments. It was something about degrees. It was something about the look. It was something about the stature or the strength or the ability. He didn't, he discounted that it was something about the God that was behind the man instead of the man that God had put in front. He began to look wrong, and God has given him a correction. If you're going to work for me, Samuel, if you're going to select the way I select, you've got to look the way I've looked. I don't look at the external things uh, that give me the indication that I'm going in the right direction. I look at the heart. I love this part of him adjusting the prophet. And now the prophet is able to continue his work in verse 7 because he's searching for the anointed. You might not know what the anointed means. It means someone who is, who is sanctified or someone who is set apart, someone who is a, 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 pe- a person, place, or thing that has a divine assignment, a divine uh, appointment that, that needs God's holiness or God's presence to be on them to accomplish something great. The anointing is God's power, not just, it's God's power upon you to do mighty things. He says, uh, don't look, Samuel. Let's go to verse uh, 8. Then Jesse called Abinadab and made him pass before him. And he said, neither has the Lord chosen this one. I love that Samuel's already upgraded. He said, the daddy, now, now Samuel picked the first guy, the daddy's bringing the other kid. said, the Lord didn't choose him. Verse 9, and then Jesse made Shammah, uh, his son, pass before him. said, neither the Lord didn't choose him. Y'all are not going to trick me anymore. I'm not picking based on the outward appearance. I'm not picking, picking based on pedigree. I'm not picking based on family order. I'm not picking based on party lines. I'm picking based on something that God says. Verse 10, and Jesse made The seven sons passed before Samuel, and Samuel to Jesse. The Lord had not chosen these. I know I came to your house to anoint a king, but no one that you've displayed before me based on your values and my values has appeased God. Verse 11, then Samuel said to Jesse, are your sons here? And he said, there remains yet the youngest but behold, let me tell you some stuff about him. He's uh, keeping the sheep. He's out back. He's doing the job of a slave. He's a bit muddy and stinky. He's hanging out with things that are not kingly and princely. He is not worthy of being in your presence. We didn't even call him. In fact, he's so young we don't consider him. When you said consecrate, which means to clean yourself up and get ready to interact with the Holy God, we didn't even think he was, he was someone to be considered. Uh, I want to let you know he exists, but surely it couldn't be him. Maybe someone has thought foolishly 
about you in a similar fashion. That surely it couldn't be you who was God's anointed. Surely it can't be you who's the one who God is selecting. And I'm telling you, even if men forget you, even if your family forgets you, even if the prophet excludes you, God remembers you because he said, I want you to know that there is somebody in this house that is undetected and I need to see him. And he says, and Samuel said to Jesse, send and get him, for we will not sit down until he comes. And he came to sacrifice as a cover for coming to pick a king. And he said, I'm, I'm going to do this work first. I'm not going to eat. I'm not going to sacrifice. I'm not going to worship till I identify. What will you do once you recognize that God has, doesn't have his team assembled yet? Will you just sit idly by or will you send the fillers out because God's got sons and daughters who don't know that they count out in the world? God's got people who are in obscurity right now, and he's got some servants that need to get out to see him. Will you be one of those servants who's willing to go out and find David in the field? I know that the journey might be long. I know that you might get a little bit of mud on you. I know you might find yourself in places that others consider unclean. I know that David was considered unclean because of the very job that he did. But I need some servants that will go into the unclean places to call out my sons, my true sons, that I have a Simon's for one, because I'm telling you, though you've been disappointed in the past, I'm going to anoint some one king, and perhaps it could be him. Perhaps it could be you. Maybe you're sitting there in obscurity, or maybe you're sent to the one in obscurity. Either way, you've got to go, and either way, you've got to be ready to respond. And verse, verse 12, and he, and he sent and brought him in. Now he was ready and had beautiful eyes, and was handsome. This is somebody who people should have taken note of. This is somebody who no matter how dirty he was, it was evident that there was a grace upon him. I, I, I consider it that there are people out in the world who they can be drunk, but you, you haven't been around somebody drunk and they philosophize? And you say, my God, they smart. And you want to say, I know you're drunk, but you should be preaching or doing ministry or something. And you say, this, this man is deep. They could fall out and pass out. And you say, man, that's greatness right there on the floor. Passed out. Gone. Blacked out. Don't even know what they're talking about. But you, you see the great. There's something about the person living in obscurity in his father's house that you should see. Hear me. Hear me. I don't know where you're sitting, but we can see you because God has seen you. God knows exactly what he put on the inside of you. And the next words of the prophet is arise and anoint him for this is he. He didn't say clean him up and anoint him. He didn't say educate him and anoint him. He didn't say, wait till he grows up because he was probably somewhere between 10 and 15 years old. He didn't say, uh, let's get him anointed once we know his theology. Let's get him anointed once we know he's got it all together. Perhaps the kingdom of God works incorrectly. We're waiting to appreciate people and applaud people based on them getting everything right 
but God is choosing people from day one who don't have any record or prerequisite of getting anything right. His anointing is not based on the person. His anointing is based on his will. His anointing, his smearing. He, 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 look what the next verse says, 13. Then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brothers, and the Spirit of the Lord rushed on David from that day forward, and Samuel rose and went to Ramah. You see, it's one thing for someone, some man, to prophetically say, you're the one. It's one thing for a man to acknowledge that I've, I've actually seen the same thing God sees, and you need to be anointed. It's one thing John the Baptist says, behold, the Lamb of God, which takes away the sin of the world, but, but, but then he saw heaven open up and, and, and the Spirit descending on him like a dove. There's another sign. He said in Acts 2, he said, there was cloven tongues like a fire that appeared on their head. God is rushing in because he's indicating that when Saul was anointed king, the Spirit of the Lord rushed in on him. He was turned into another man and he prophesied. In order to avoid disappointment, it's going to take an anointed man with the Spirit of God in order not to repeat the problems and the disappointment of the past, you need to have an anointing. You need to have an anointing that abides. You need to have an anointing you don't reject. You know, Saul had the same grace. And he liked what the anointing produced, but he didn't like what the Spirit demanded. You see, your anoint, you don't hold God's anointing hostage. It is not for your personal good or your personal use as the primary function. You have an anointing. You have a seal from the Holy One. You have an earnestness of the Spirit. You have a divine deposit. It's not just the Spirit of God upon, uh, in you. It's the Spirit of God upon you. You can't just be anointed. You need you, you, uh, anointed physically with oil. It's only the, 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 the outward display. You need the Spirit to show up and approve what is being anointed. What if I told you today that there's an anointing available for you? 1 John 2.20 says, you have an anointing. You have an anointing. You have an anointing. And when you surrender to it, when you submit to it, you can get, you can get the Spirit of God to rush in on you. I'm going to give you the conclusion of this. It's in verse 14. I want you to show you. I'm going to show you the contrast between Saul's life and David's life, between disappointment, disappointed, being disappointed and being anointed. Look at it. Now the Spirit of the Lord departed from Saul, and a harmful spirit from the Lord tormented him. And Saul's servant said, verse 15, and Saul's servant said to him, behold now, a harmful spirit from God is tormenting me. 
Now, I want you to understand that, that God is not evil, nor does he tempt any man with the evil. I'm just saying if you reject God and you reject his spirit, the only thing left is for other spirits to come in and invade your space. Because it's a, unless the Lord keep the house, they that labor to keep it, you, you labor to build it and you labor to keep it in vain. Verse 16, let our Lord now command your servant who you are, who's before you to seek out a man who is skillful in playing the lyre. Uh, so when the harmful spirit from God comes upon you, he will play it and you will, be, and you will be well. I want you to understand something, that God appoints people. There's an appointed person around you to help, help you through. I love the fact that, that even though this person is considered a servant, he can look at the leader and see that there is a problem and he can offer a solution. God's got you in high places for reasons. He's got you in places that make you just uncomfortable. I would be uncomfortable to be in a room with somebody who's demonized. I'd be uncomfortable to be in a, in, in a room with somebody who's half crazy. I'd be uncomfortable to be in a room with somebody who's sometimes bipolar, sometimes schizophrenic, sometimes very violent, sometimes very narcissistic, sometimes very fearful, full of anxiety, full of depression, full of worry. All of these spirits hung out with Saul. And, and, and you need to be around somebody who has a solution. What if I told you that you have somebody's solution to the depression and the challenges that they're going through? You're appointed to actually say something. You're a servant in the right place at the right time. You need to do the anointed work you're assigned to do. There was a servant who saw what was on Saul and said, I know what to fix it. He said, search for a man who has ability to worship. Search for a man who is who was so evident. Now you got to understand he was just anointed. I don't know how many time, how much time it was between when David was anointed and when this statement was said, but I can tell you that David is rising in prominence. He's, he's rising out of obscurity. Before the Spirit of the Lord was on him, nobody knew, knew him. Only the Lord was searched for him. Now all the way in the palace, the fame of who he is as a man of war, a man of valor, a man that can play, a man that can worship, man, the story done reached the palace that this man is walking in the grace and anointing of God, and they say sin for him. And so that whenever he plays music, the evil spirit from the Lord will lift off of you. I want you to know that the reason it's important that you be here online or here in the facility is you need to worship. Worship is a form of warfare that pushes back the demonic forces that try to invade your life. When you're getting your appointed season, you need an anointed man or woman that can begin to worship God to the degree that the devil says, I want to take a back seat in this meeting. There's something about what you, how you can't think clearly that when you get in worship, you can think clearly. There's something about your health. You can have actual things growing in the wrong places. You can have things invading your cells. But when you get in an environment of worship, scientifically, they say that your anxiety can leave, your sickness can leave. It says the rhythm of your heart when you're worshiping with a bunch of people together, it begins to beat different. Your health begins to go all the way up. And the spiritual problems you have begin to be pushed back by the hand of God. Does anybody need some worship in here today? that can push back the hands of the enemy. It's not just that he was disappointed. God had an anointed man for that disappointment. And I'm going to tell you, the appointed man changes to worship. I can imagine that David, the fame of David, they saw him, they heard of him killing a bear by the Spirit of God, killing a lion by the Spirit of God, 
They heard how unfearful he was. And when he came to Saul, he moved from just being anointed to be appointed to his service. So you might be anointed to lead, but you're also appointed to serve. From the moment that he was anointed as king, he went straight back to being a shepherd. From the moment that he was anointed to do something great, he did something seemingly small. One of the proofs that the Spirit of God is on you is you think more about your humiliation than your exaltation. You're okay with being humbled to let God exalt you. Are you trying to put yourself in the place where you look right in front of the people? Maybe you're like Saul then. Because Saul didn't care that his heart had turned from God and he'd lost the anointing. He told Samuel once he said, you've been rejected. He said, can you just stand with me in front of the people so I look right? Are you wanting the anointing so you look powerful? Are you wanting the anointing so you look attractive? Are you wanting the anointing so you can make some money, make some moves? Are you wanting God's anointing so you can fulfill your will? That's the fastest way down. But when you, want, when you have the anointing, you say, he, he who found me can also elevate me at the right time. You just think, I have gifts. He didn't leave his job as a shepherd and go into full-time ministry just because he had a word. He waited on his appointed time. He was anointed, but he waited on his appointed time. And he was appointed. And the Bible says he entered into Saul's service, and whenever he worshiped, the spirit would leave. And then he says he became Saul's armor bearer, which is the most trusted person you have in battle. It could be mean the think difference between life and death. He was appointed. And when he got in the king's house, we have no scripture that says David with his young self, with his inexperience in the anointing, he never said, you know, kinky. Spirit's good, huh? You know, the Lord anointed me. One day, I'll be taking your spot. just want you to know, I'm, I'm going to lay low. It could happen any minute, tomorrow. But, hey, he wasn't boastful. He was appointed to serve. A lot of times people think they are anointed, and unless they get the most prominent job, prominent spot, they won't do nothing. Holding out. I'm just holding out till they see me. I'm holding out till somebody recognize my gifts. You've been appointed to serve. Your anointing won't increase until you serve. Your prominence won't increase till you serve. Because remember, Jesus humbled himself and then he was exalted. It's those who humble themselves who God exalts. Stand to your feet. The Bible says in 2 Peter, put my 2 Peter up here. I want to remind you who you are. Peter. He says, but you are a chosen race. This is you. A royal priesthood. This is you. You are a holy nation. A people for his own possession. This is you. That you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness from the sheep pen into his marvelous light. Verse 10. 
once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, now you have received mercy. I did not know when I was at this church serving as an usher and an usher in the parking lot 17, almost 18 years ago. I didn't know I would get the privilege to be the leader of this church from this pulpit, from this platform. You know, many, we cannot despise the day of small things. You might not be in the job you like, in a situation that says that you're anointed, but I'm here to declare today you've been anointed. And what helps you avoid disappointment, being disappointing, is just obey God the whole way. And as you obey God, he's going to give you a small appointment to serve. And if you say yes to it, every time they need, it was raining, they called me to do, be the parking lot usher. Every time it was a good snow, I would only get to spend 15 minutes in the church service for over two years. I would just try to piece services together because we had so many. Will you serve? You're appointed to serve. You, know, you don't think about what you get when you serve. You've been appointed. Perhaps today, if you can hear clearly the calling of the Lord, he's calling you far away from the lifestyle of Saul. One where obedience is an option. He's calling you out of obscurity like David and giving you the grace and the anointing and the favor you need through the Spirit of God to be the difference in leadership, to be the difference in the king's house, to be the difference in your nation. Perhaps you're not supposed to look for a Savior amongst men, but look to the Savior who anoints men to lead and appoints men to serve. Raise your hands. Even at home, I want you to raise your hands. Close your eyes. I hear your voice, Lord, I'm available to you. Just talk to him. It's an individual thing right now. My will I give to you. I'll do what you say. At home, listen to him. Use me, Lord. You have an anointing. To show someone the way and enable me to say, My storage is empty and I am available to you. Pastor Jim, would you say our closing prayer? I just Feel the grace that you say our closing prayer over this people. Just keep your hands in that posture. Lord, I'm so privileged to be in this church. Pastor James started speaking this great message. I was reminded when the children of Israel said, 
we've added to all of our many sins by asking for a king. There's something in all of us that want a human to do what only God can do. There's something in all of us that want a human to be like God for us. And we acknowledge today that you are on the throne. You're sovereign over this nation. You're sovereign over this nation. Lord, examine our hearts. Do we have more passion over politics than your church, your kingdom? You are the king. You are a mighty king. And Lord, we're calling out for transformative revival to sweep our nation. Lord, it is the church, not the Republicans or the Democrats, that hold the keys to heaven. We hold the keys. You've placed them in our hands. And our eyes are on you this morning. Our eyes are centered on you. Just centered on you. And your plan for our lives will not fail. I pray blessing and peace over our nation. I pray for your spirit to move over Democrats, over Republicans, over the president, over the president-elect. Father, I just pray your peace. And you told me standing on the Bethel stage to the last day of 2018 that America would end in revival. And I believe it. I thank you for this church, for every member. And dear Jesus, deliver us from every soul-like thing in our hearts today. Let your spirit and your presence be on us. But we're not interested in display. We want your will. Anoint us. I pray a fresh anointing on Bethel. Those, Lord, God watching, those at home, Lord, those here in the campus, those in the other venue, blessed are the people whose God is the Lord. Presidents come, presidents go, but we have no king but you, Jesus. Say that. Jesus, you're our king. Say it. Jesus, you're our king. Let's give our great king a clap this morning. Oh, yes. He's above everything.